Hi, welcome to Pendleton Center United Methodist Church. I'm Judy Schultz, and I'm sitting here at the back of the sanctuary by our prayer table. If you would like prayers before, during, or after our worship service, please come up and speak with one of our prayer team members. If you're new to our church, please pick up a welcome folder at our connection site. For everyone attending our service today, please fill out our little friendship card. Include your name, contact information, especially if you would like one of our church newsletters. On the back, you can ask for prayer requests, share blessings, or leave notes for our staff. Enjoy the service and welcome to Pendleton Center United Methodist Church. Good morning. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad. The that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice. Let us rejoice. And be glad in it. And be glad in it. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day. us pray. Lord, we come to you today to offer up our praises. We pray your blessing upon this worship service or your blessing upon the palms that we wave to exalt your holy name. We pray that we will be a blessing unto you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'd like to invite you all to stand if you're able as we sing together, Hosanna, loud Hosanna.
Lord be with you. Please be seated. It is a joy to be here this morning on Palm Sunday. Um, we have a couple of clipboards being passed out. Actually, well, yeah, there's one that's a clipboard for communion bread, and that's, oh, that's only one. So um, it gets passed around to all the sections. And the other one is for the fish fries. And I'm so thankful for all of the work and all of the ministry that's been going on through the fish fries. We have one more left on Friday. Um, it's Good Friday, so we're entering into Holy Week right now with Palm Sunday, and then on Thursday we have a service. We'll be celebrating communion and going to a Garden of Gethsemane for a time of prayer. On Good Friday, the service, because we have fish fry, which we encourage everybody to get signed up and come on out for that, but after that at 8 o'clock is the Good Friday service, and then on Saturday at 5 o'clock there's a worship service that is an Easter vigil where we remember our baptism and then Easter times are the same 9 and eleven fifteen. it's the highest holy day of our entire Christian faith so I'm hopeful that all of you will come out and really take part in all of the activities this week to be able to grow in our faith with that I'm also thankful for the Easter's family Easter celebration that happened yesterday Wow, tons and tons of people in the community coming out, lots of kids everywhere, and it was a great time of ministry, lots of people being able to experience this church's offering, and uh, I'm also told that if you're, first of all, thank you for everybody for helping for that, but if you're willing to help now, you've got a whole year to put those eggs back together, and so (laughs) Gidget Meeland is in the back, and she's got lots and lots and lots of eggs that she would love to just give to some people to take home to handle. Um, what else are you thankful for today? It's a lot of talking on my part. What are you thankful for? Yeah, Becky. It was around 300 children and many, many new faces from our community. It was awesome to be a greeter and say, whoa. Wow, wow. It was an incredible outreach to our community. Very thankful. Your checkup, all the blood work was good, and the scan was clear. The sun is doing well. Wonderful. Anyone else? Judy. Barb is healing. Wonderful. Yes. Who else? Pastor Lisa. Anyone else want to share? But God is so good, and we come here today to celebrate who God is, what God is doing, what God has done, what God's continuing to do. And so as we take up our offering this morning, let's reflect on God and how wonderful he is.
thank you for your gracious love, for your forgiving spirit, for your blessings upon our lives. We pray that you will accept this offering to you, that it may be a blessing to you. Transform it into something that will move mountains in the world and bring people to you, to know you more, to experience you more, to accept people into the faith that this world may be changed in your name. Praise God. Amen. Please be seated. Um, okay, let's pray. Lord, we come to you today trusting in you, glorifying you. We know that you are Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. We come to you praising your name, knowing that you have a desire to heal. We lift up to you the people who need healing in their bodies, people who have struggles. Lord, we pray for the person who has something going on with their left ear. We pray for healing for that and declare healing over that. And we pray for the person that's having issues in their heart with palpitations. We declare healing over that as well in the name of Jesus. We declare healing upon the people who are struggling physically with cancer, with diabetes, with any of the pains and sufferings that go through our bodies in this broken world. We pray for healing in all of that. We pray your complete healing touch, that bodies will be made well, that bodies will be made whole. Lord, we pray for people who are experiencing issues in their emotions. Lord, people who are experiencing anxiety and depression, we cast that out in the name of Jesus. We cast out anxiety, we cast out depression, and we step upon your love for perfect love, cast out all fear, and there is no more anxiety and depression. Lord, we pray for healing in people's relationships. We pray for hearts of forgiveness, that people will be open and willing to walk in a forgiving spirit, that they will draw closer to you and closer to another. We pray for the brokenness in this world that has destroyed families, that have broken apart people's relationships, that that will be overcome and that people will be joined together in your name. We pray for people who are experiencing issues in their finances. We lift up people's finances. We pray for opportunity. We pray for you to open doors that should be opened and close doors that should be closed and trust in your name and that you are leading. We pray for opportunity as well as your provision and your blessings. We pray for abundance to overflow. Lord, we pray for people who are struggling with decisions in their lives. They're facing really difficult decisions. We pray for discernment. Give your wisdom, the mind of Christ indwelling within us so that we may know your heart, know your will, that we may walk in your way. We pray that you'll continue to fill us with your spirit, Lord. And we declare healing in your holy name in all areas of our lives. For you are the God who heals. And we lift up your name in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Now let's hear from the word of the Lord. Good morning. Today's scripture comes from Mark chapter 11, verses 1 through 18. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, 
you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord needs it, and we'll send it back here shortly. They went and found a colt outside in the street, tied at a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, What are you doing untying that colt? They answered as Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Jesus entered Jerusalem and went into the temple courts. He looked around at everything, but since, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. The next day, as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was angry, seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf. He went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves, because it was not the season for figs. Then he said to the tree, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And as he taught them, he said, Is it not written, My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations? But you have made it, in, you have made it a den of robbers. The chief priests and the teachers of the law heard this and began looking for a way to kill him, for they feared him, because the whole crowd was amazed at his teaching. This is the word of the Lord. Yeah. Do not arouse the wrath of the great and powerful Oz. I said, come back tomorrow. If you are really great and powerful, you'll keep your promises. Do you presume to criticize the great Oz? You ungrateful creatures think yourselves lucky that I'm giving you audience tomorrow instead of 20 years from now. Oh. The great Oz has spoken. Oh. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. The great Oz has spoken. Who are you? Oh, I, I, I am the great and powerful wizard of Oz. You are? Uh, I yes. don't believe you. No, I'm afraid it's true. There's no other wizard except me. You humbug! Yeah. Yes, it's exactly so. I'm a humbug. Oh, you're a very bad man. <laughs> a wizard who isn't a wizard. A king with no army. Priests who don't understand what the purpose of the temple is. A fig tree that doesn't give out figs. They have a saying for that in Texas, all hat, no cattle. And sometimes that's what people who call themselves Christians are like. They have all the image and all the show on Sunday, but during the week, it's a whole different story. 
Maybe you've never seen me like this. <laughs> Some people think I can't wear this. I'm allowed to wear this. You might have seen it in a hospital because I wear it when I go to hospitals. And some people say, well, why don't you wear a clergy collar all the time? Years ago, uh, I decided that I wouldn't wear a clergy collar for the most part. I had one colleague ask me, are you embarrassed that you're a pastor? I said, no, actually, it's my goal that people will get to know Tom before they find out I'm a pastor, rather than I walk in to the room and they instantly know I'm a pastor and they start to judge me before they even know who Tom is. And so my goal is that I can kind of sneak Jesus into their lives, so to speak. How would you respond if you were these people and somebody came along and said they wanted to borrow your brand new car? I mean, this is a cult that's never been ridden. And they just asked for it. The Lord needs it. We could just come to your house when you just bought a brand new vehicle, hasn't even been driven yet, right off the lot, and they say, well... God needs it, so we're going to borrow your car, okay? And they said, yes. Amazing. I don't even know if we would understand it if it happened, and yet they just responded, certainly the Lord needs it. It's kind of a a different idea, the idea that, that Jesus actually has the right to command respect from our entire lives. We say often in this church, that we love the Lord our God with all our heart and all our soul and all our mind and all our strength. But how often do many people just make it a little part? An hour or two, a certain time of the week, and the rest of the time, not so much. Today is what we call Palm Sunday, right? We wave the palms. It's actually from the book of Zechariah where where there's a prophecy that says, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the fowl of a donkey. That's an interesting idea. Did you know that the palms only show up in one gospel? But the donkey shows up in all four Gospels, including this prophecy. So this shouldn't be called Palm Sunday. This should be called Donkey Sunday. Am I right? But we wouldn't want to come to church on Donkey Sunday. We'd probably be even embarrassed to tell people we're going to church on Donkey Sunday. So we call it Palm Sunday. We wave our palm branches and we sing our hosannas. It's a parade. Everybody loves a parade. Jesus even seems to be okay with it. He's not threatening anybody. He doesn't go to Herod's palace. He doesn't go to Pilate's palace. He goes to the temple, and there's nobody there anyways. He looks around, and he leaves. The next morning, Jesus got up, and he headed back to Jerusalem, and it said along the way he was hungry. So he saw a fig tree off in the distance. It had leaves on it. So he went over to pick some figs, but there were no figs on it. Because it wasn't the season for figs. And he says, curse you. May you never bear fruit again. Because you didn't have figs for me when I wanted them. We're all going, what? This isn't fair. Poor little fig tree. It's not even season. He shouldn't be going looking for figs when there's no figs. He knows there's no figs. Why is he cursing the fig tree? Seems terribly unfair, doesn't it? We've had... 
Christian scholars try to examine the fig trees, and they'll tell you that, that the fig tree actually produces a bud around the same time as the leaves, and, and so you could actually eat those buds, and that's what Jesus was looking for. They don't taste very good, but you can eat them if you want to. And I'm thinking, I don't, I don't know that Jesus wanted rotten-tasting buds, but okay, all right. Is it fair that Jesus expected this tree to produce fruit when it wasn't even in season? Are we willing to act like Christians when it wouldn't be the season for it? When people wouldn't be expecting it, when we're not in church, when we're not with other Christians, when we're just out in, you know, life, doing our work, doing our job, doing our living. Timothy, a young preacher, had a letter from Paul, and Paul said to him, preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season. Correct rebuke and encourage with great patience and careful instructions. John Wesley told Methodist pastors, we have to be prepared to preach a sermon anytime, anywhere, no matter the circumstances. Because God calls us not just when it seems like the right time, but even when it seems like it's an inopportune time. Jesus is hungry. And he's hungry for more than just fig trees. He's hungry for faith. A commitment that's so real that you'd be willing to share it anywhere. We went to Texas when I first got here to something called The Gathering. Dorothy Stewart went with us and my wife and I. And we went to this great gathering, worldwide gathering of Methodists where we celebrated and, and, and had worship. It was a wonderful experience. And so we went out to dinner that evening. A bunch of us clergy, few other folks, some lay people with us. We probably had about 15 people around a large table. It was a restaurant like a ground round. Does anybody remember ground round? I know I'm dating myself, right? You know, just a regular family restaurant, basically. And next door to us was a table of young women. And a policeman walked in with a boombox on his shoulder, which seemed a little odd. And then he started playing the music. And then he started dancing. And we realized that he wasn't just a police officer. If you don't know what I mean, ask at home. It was a family-type restaurant. It didn't go that far. It was just fun for some young woman's birthday. But one of our colleagues saw this happening... And after the young man did his little performance, he called him over. And he said, young man, are you aware you just did that performance for 15 United Methodist clergy? (laughs) Poor guy's down on his knees next to my wife saying, ma'am, you must think I'm going to hell. (laughs) But then my wife invited him to sit with us. And we talked to him about Jesus. Now, you, my, my initial reaction to my colleague calling that young man over is, oh my gosh, it's so embarrassing. You're killing me here. Come on. Leave the poor guy alone. He's just trying to make a couple dollars. He didn't really do anything wrong. He just danced. But as I reflect back on it, I think he was willing to share the good news, even out of season. Even when it's unexpected, even where we wouldn't assume it would happen, 
much like what happened in this story where Jesus is looking for fruit where we wouldn't expect it. Would we follow Jesus where it's unexpected? And would we follow Jesus if it cost us something? Jesus went into the temple. And it says that he made a whip and started swinging it at the buyers and sellers in the market. And he he took the table and he, I won't do it, freak you all out. And he tipped it all over, made a huge scene. Imagine if I did tip the table, you'd probably be, whoa, Pastor Tom's lost it, right? Especially if you weren't expecting it. And I didn't tell you it was coming. Because my house should be a house of prayer, but you have made it into a den of thieves. That's kind of troubling for a lot of churches. Does that mean Jesus doesn't like when we have rummage sales? i got to be careful. That's coming up soon. The ladies will be shooting me. Or maybe we shouldn't have fish fries. Is God upset when we do that? You know, there's some churches that won't have anything like that. And what they say is, is, is that that's just a sign that the people of the church are not supporting the ministry of the church. If they have to go begging for money from the community, then obviously their people aren't faithful enough. It's an interesting thought. We do have rummage sales, and we do have fish fries, but we give away all the money that's raised in the rummage sales. The ladies raise that money to give away to people in need around the world. And we gave away far more than we make in fish fries to help people around the world, too. We don't do those fundraisers so we can make money because our people won't support our church. Our people do support our church. I don't think Jesus minds that you take things that people are discarding and give them to people that need them for a low cost and then use the money to help the poor. I think Jesus had something entirely different in this passage in mind. It says that that he particularly focused in on the money changers and the ones that were selling doves. Doves were the sacrifice of the poor people. Money changers were the people who would make an exchange because you came with foreign money. You see the temple. The temple was like a tourist attraction for the whole world. There were millions of Jews that didn't live in that part of the world, so they traveled a long ways to come once in a lifetime usually, maybe, maybe twice, to visit the temple and make their sacrifice to God. Now bringing a sheep all the way from Italy would be a bit of a travel, right? Carrying a little dove, even from as far as close as Egypt, would be a burden. So they provided them there at the temple. It wasn't all that bad that they did that. But the problem is, is it's like buying a meal at Disney World. You know? You ever buy a meal at Disney World? And you go, really? $18 for a little sandwich? Seriously? You know, the, the problem was that they were taking advantage. He said it right out. You have made this into a den of thieves. It wasn't just that they were trying to do something to help people somewhere. It's that they were trying to take advantage of people who were coming to make a commitment to God. They're taking advantage of the poor. 
A little later, we read what the high priests say. They decided after this little scene in the temple that they were going to put Jesus to death. It messed up a profitable system for them. What if Jesus cost us money? Would we be willing to follow him if it meant there was a price to pay? I had friends of mine who were pastors who used to tell me it's good to wear a clergy collar regularly. If you get a speeding ticket, you get out of the ticket a lot easier. (laughs) You go into stores and you get discounts because you got the collar on. And I was in shock. I'm thinking, that makes me not want to wear it more. I can't imagine I'm going to stand in front of the Pendleton Court judge with a speeding ticket with a clergy collar on telling the whole world I'm the pastor of this church. I would be totally embarrassed to do such a thing. We're going to wear the symbol of God. We better be acting like God would want us to act. Sometimes nowadays when I wear this clothing to go to the hospitals, after reading the newspapers and watching the TV reports, I'm not even sure what people think of me. Are we willing to stand up when it's difficult, when it's not easy to be who God wants us to be? Now, not many of you wear a clergy collar, I know that. But what do we see our faith as? Is it an opportunity to gain benefits? Or is it something we're willing to do even if there's a cost? In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus talked about this time. And he said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Is there more? Nope. Yep, there it is. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? The cross is the symbol of the Christian faith because it symbolizes what Jesus paid as a price for us. But it also symbolizes our willingness to make a commitment even that costs Are we part of the Hosanna crowd? Or are we part of the people who make a clear commitment to Jesus? You know, five days later, the same crowd on Good Friday is going to be shouting, crucify him. Crucify him. Can we pay the price when it looks difficult, when it looks like it's unpopular, when it looks like it might be a struggle? We had a pastor in this church for 16 years. His name was Gordon Vogt. Some of you remember Gordon. I remember going to the hospital with Gordon. We were sitting out in the waiting room, and he was by himself, and his wife, Verla, was going for surgery. Many people didn't know Verla was his second wife. His first wife had died earlier in, in, in his ministry. And as we're sitting there, Gordon said something strange to me. He says... Well, you know, I've been praying to God that he'll let Verla die in this surgery. 
And I said, is she that bad off, Gordon? And he said, no, but her life has been a good life, and, and it's time for her to go. And I would rather that she dies first, because I know what it's like to go through the pain of losing a spouse. And I don't want my wife to ever go through that pain. I love her too much for her to feel that. I've done it. I'll do that myself. I thought, wow, that's powerful stuff. So I went home and I told my wife, I hope you die before me. (laughs) I did not get the response I expected. She will tell that story to this day. (laughs) Would we be willing to do that? You know, I I have people that sometimes will say to me that they feel that that their marriage is struggling, it's not as, as happy, or they're not having as much fun. Whoever said marriage was about having fun? I mean, we can have fun in marriage, but... That's not what it's about. It's about being in a relationship that we walk through the good and the bad, in sickness and in health. The most powerful thing I've seen in my ministry, and I've seen this so many times, is to watch people see their spouse struggling and caring for them to the point of ruining their own health just so that they can be with them for a little bit longer in this life. Do we see our relationship with God as just being something where we can get the benefits, the blessings? Or are we willing to take the struggles as well? Timothy went on to say, or Paul went on to say to Timothy, a time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they'll gather around them a great number of teachers and preachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. They'll find a pastor that says exactly what they've already decided they want to hear. That's the easiest way to build a large church, you know, is to tell people what they want to hear. But what God calls us to do is to tell you what you need to hear. Not necessarily what you want to hear. They complain and and moan a lot in the churches about how there's less people in the pews these days. We're fortunate not to be that church. But the truth is, is there's not less Christians in the pews. We just don't have so many of the Hosanna Donkey Sunday folk. Right? We have the people who are willing to be here through the whole Holy Week. Because Holy Week is, is not an easy thing. But it's something we're called to go through. It's easy to be part of the crowd. To wave the palm branches on Donkey Sunday and sing hosannas when things are going good. But sometimes that's just a false image. Like this false image. Oh, no, my dear. I'm a very good man. I'm just a very bad wizard. 
Well, what about the heart that you promised Tin Man? Well, and the courage that you promised Cowardly Lion? Well, I'm Scarecrow Day. Why, anybody can have a brain. That's a very mediocre commodity. Every pusillanimous creature that crawls on the earth or slinks through slimy seas has a brain. Back where I come from, we have universities, seats of great learning, where men go to become great thinkers. And when they come out, they think deep thoughts and with no more brains than you have. But they have one thing you haven't got, a diploma. Therefore, by virtue of the authority vested in me by the Universitatis Committeatum e Pluribus Unum, I hereby confer upon you the honorary degree of THD. <laughs> Ph.D.? Yeah, that's Doctor of Thinkology. The sum of the square roots of any two sides of an isosceles triangle is equal to the square root of the remaining side. Oh, George, Rapture! I've got a brain! How can I ever thank you enough? I've got a brain! Because somebody gave him a piece of paper, a trinket. I think sometimes that's what we're looking for in life, just some trinket, some, some little thing that'll make us feel a little bit better for a little while. The wizard says, I'm a very good man. The other day, my wife was reading a passage in the Bible where Jesus said, which one of you, if your child asked for a fish, would give them a, a, a snake? And if you who are evil would do that for your children, how much more would your heavenly Father give to you? And she says, I don't like that. I don't like that it says we're evil. We're not good. We're people that are broken. We're not okay. We're not people that are getting it all right. That's why there's a cross. Holy Week is not easy. We prefer to go from hosannas to hallelujahs. From donkey Sunday to resurrection Sunday. But Jesus isn't a hosanna king. He's a good Friday king. He told his disciples in in this gospel, we are going to Jerusalem, he said, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests, the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death, will hand him over to the Gentiles, who will mock him and spit on him, flog him and kill him. Three days later, he will rise. He told them that before Palm Sunday, but they, they didn't hear that. He said, I need to die. See, we want cheap grace. We want an easy Savior. We want a simple faith. We want something that we don't have to struggle with. I'll say one thing about this church. You know, this Friday there'll be a, a, a large congregation here. This room will be filled with people. Because there's a lot of people in this room that realize that you don't get to resurrection without going through the cross. That's not because God wants us to have a hard life. It's not because God wants us to somehow punish us. He wants us to understand what he went through. What he was willing to give up so that we could remain with him forever. He died to his righteousness. He died to his perfection. He gave that all away just so that he could be in love with you forever. So we as Christians, people who call themselves the followers of Christ, are supposed to live like him. Being willing to produce in season and out of season. Being disciples whether it benefits us or costs us. Being people who would be willing to give up 
what we treasure the most, like the people who had that unridden cult. Being people that are willing to live as Christians in this world so that we'll also know that we can have the promise of eternal life in the next. And we do have a promise. It isn't, it isn't useless grace. It's wonderful grace, amazing grace, which leads to the glory. At that time, people will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. He will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. And our God will return, and he will be triumphant. And we will sing hosannas and hallelujahs for all of eternity. It's a great thing to come and praise God. Because of what he's done. And what he gives us the ability to do. And so today might be Donkey Sunday. But it's also Hosanna Sunday. The day that we remember God saves us. Hosanna.
shout Hosanna and for many years you know many people think Hosanna it kind of means like woohoo whippee but it it means God save us it's an asking and a declaration God is the one who saves us and the songs we just sang sang Hosanna God save us and yet proclaimed and declared God saves us and it also said you're welcome here do with us whatever you want whoa, how do we get to that point? Because every time we have to come back and have a rededication of our life, a recommitment, a saying, saying, God, you've saved us. I give you my all. So as we enter into a time where we're going to celebrate the table of grace, I invite you to a prayer of confession along with me. Lord, I am a sinner. I need your grace. Forgive my sins. Show me where I need to change. Lead me in your righteousness. 
Set me on your firm foundation. That I may be holy. As you are holy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. And this proves God's love for you and for me. In the name of Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. And now as confident children of grace, let's greet one another with the peace of the Holy Spirit.
before he went to the cross, he had invited his friends to supper, and they set it all up, and it was wonderful and amazing. And everyone who had followed him, those who had made a commitment of their lives to him, he invited to that table. They wanted more of him. Because they wanted more of him, they came and they ate with him. They broke bread. Later, that bread and that that wine or that juice became a symbol for us of all that he had done for us, of all that God had done for the people, all people everywhere, every nation, every tribe, every language, every single people was welcome to come. And it is true to this day. If you love God, repent of your sin, and seek to live in peace as a disciple of Jesus Christ, you are welcome at the table this morning to partake of what God has set aside for us, to partake of what God has promised will heal us in our spirits, in our souls, in our bodies, mostly, though, in our relationship with God. And because of that, with our relationships with one another, we can become like Christ, loving everyone from our heart. So come to the table this morning. You are welcome. You don't have to be a member of this church or a member of any, any church. If you know, because of your time here today, that God loves you and that God would have you come to him, and begin to allow God to change your heart or continue that work if you're already working in that. You come to the table, come in faith because God will meet you here. God does love you. God does care that you have a good relationship with him. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. In love you made us for yourself. And when we had fallen into sin and become subject to evil and death, your love remained steadfast. You bid your faithful people cleanse their hearts and prepare with joy for the Easter feast that renewed by your word and sacraments and fervent in prayer and works of justice and mercy, we may come to the fullness of grace that you have prepared for those who love you. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you and blessed is your son Jesus Christ, whom you sent in the fullness of time to redeem the world. He emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in our likeness. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death on a cross. He took upon himself our sin and death and offered himself a perfect sacrifice for the sin of the whole world. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. 
And on that night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread and he gave thanks to you. He broke the bread and gave it to his disciples. He said, take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup. Again, he gave you thanks and praise, and he gave it to his disciples, saying, Drink from this, all of you. This is the cup of my blood. The blood of the new out for you and for many, for the forgiveness of sin. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. And so, in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice, in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here. And on these gifts of bread and wine, Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. Shall we pray with the confidence of children, dearly beloved by God, the prayer he taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Will those who are serving please come forward?
I'm going to invite you to stand as we sing together the old rugged cross. ago up at our Niagara Falls dinners on Thursday night, there was a gentleman there, and I sat and ate with him for about five or six weeks. We talked about the world. We talked about life. We talked about the church. We talked about God. And one day he looked at me. He said, do you work here? And I said, well, yeah. He says, so what are you, like the janitor? I took that as a compliment. (laughs) And then his eyes got big and wide. He said, you're not the pastor, are you? I thought another stealth one. Sometimes it's all right to slip Jesus into people's lives and go a little incognito, but that's not what our faith is all about. This could be Donkey Sunday when you come into church, but on the way out, it's got to be Palm Sunday. Pastor Lisa said, you are going to wave those palms, huh? Because you're not waving those palms enough. She's right. She's right. I appreciate her enthusiasm and excitement because that's what we should be doing for the world, waving out our faith in God. We're not to be ashamed of our faith. Sometimes it might be best to wait a little bit until people are ready. But I don't want to ever be seen as being ashamed of our Lord and what he's done. We sing the hosannas, Lord save us, so we can have the hallelujahs and praise the Lord. 
So go in his grace and go in his peace, and may God walk with you this day and every day and carry you through life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.